Hey, what's good, people? This episode is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. BVNE is the biggest get notice showcase in the United States of America, where it's a recruiting showcase for beach volleyball players, particularly girls, to get notice. Beach volleyball is now an NCAA sport. Club sizes have tripled, and if you want to get notice, want to get your name out there, BVNE is the way to go. Beach Volleyball National Events, come play with us. It's also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me, the NYV, watching me, watching you. This episode, episode 24 of the podcast, Sports Debate Tuesday, is, starts right now. Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. <laughs> Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? What's up, people? This is episode 24, Sports Debate Tuesday, along with Rob. Keep it McLean McLean. I am Jason DeBeas. We are your hostess with the mostest, and today we got a lot of subjects. Donald Trump tweeting, getting himself back in sports. Cam Newton's tired of being humbled. <laughs> but today... We're going to uh, start off with the UFC. In recent news in UFC, Gilbert Burns, who was supposed to fight for the title this Saturday, this coming Saturday, July 11th at UFC 251, who was supposed to fight Kamaru Usman, pulled out, tested positive for COVID. Um, the main event number one title contender, Gilbert Burns, is out. Exit Burns. Enter number three ranked Jorge Gamebred. Masvidal. The guy has so many, so many freaking nicknames now. Street Jesus, whatever you want to call him, we love him. Um, so, Rob, let's get our reaction to this. Exit Burns, enter Masvidal. Your thoughts, your first reaction when you heard this. I mean, I always feel like it's toughest for the person who is uh, who loses the their opponent and has to fight somebody else. You know. Because now, again, you're on even playing ground. And I even think it's the advantage to the player, to the person who takes that short notice. Just because uh, if you are already game planning for that type of fight, you know what you're going to go in there and do. And you can kind of just, like, you know, mash out six days of something you're trying to do and go in there the seventh day and just fight. You know, but, um, yeah, I really think that uh, Jorge Masvidal has the advantage because I think they've been thinking about fighting each other for a long time. And now Kumaro Usman, who's just been preparing for a Gilbert Burns, uh, a possible fight with Jorge Masvidal. But when you think it's Jorge Masvidal, now it's Gilbert Burns, you're in the gym working, and then your mindset switches. Now it's got to switch back again. You know, Jorge Masvidal has just been, hey, I'm if I'm fighting, I'm fighting. I'm ready to fight. And he got on short notice, but he's still going in the same direction, which is just forward, you know. I think it's really difficult for somebody... And I'm not saying that Kamaru Usman is not capable of it, but it takes a lot of compartmentalization to um, to still do your best, you know. And I, he does have a, not a very complex offense, so it's it's very easy for him to kind of do what he's doing. But uh, he's also got to go against a very very fast, quick, big bodied. Uh, can wrestle too, you know. It's it's not like Jorge Masvidal is a slouch in the ground game, so. I think it's going to be a really exciting fight. I think it's exactly what we would expect from what we saw out of Connor and Khabib. You know, I think this is a better version of Connor and Khabib where, you know, 
the big wrestler guy, maybe has a little bit less skill on the ground, but a lot more skill in the in the, in the uh, stand-up game. And then uh, Jorge Masvidal, maybe a little bit more skill on the ground, maybe a little bit less skill on the feet, but he's quick as heck, and man, he could just he has those suicide squad, uh, you know, punches that he just you know rallies that he goes after, and he just he's you know he hits you once, man, he could put you out. So. I think it's going to be a great fight. Yeah. And I think that uh, Jorge Masvidal is in the leader in the, in the driver's seat. Yeah, man. Listen, um, as far as being on some real champ stuff, I got to give it to Kamaru Usman, man. You know, he's always wanted to be the champion. He beat Tyron Woodley, who's one of the best defensive fighters in, in, in 170 and still has a right hand that could sleep the gods as well. Um, came out there. Everyone thought that, that Covington was going to be this extremely boring fight. And, you know, they bit down in their mouthpiece and they delivered. And he trusted his ability to stand up and, and, and did everybody. What I called uh, a couple episodes ago, I called that a service to humanity. Actually broke the guy's jaw, wired his jaw shut, and, and it shut him up at least for a little bit, you know. And when he finally opened his mouth, he complained that it was an early stoppage. But I actually thought the stoppage was right. I thought he was in a place where he could have sustained, he could, he could have sustained more damage. And you know, big up out of, big up to Billy. I believe it was Herb Dean refereeing that match. So with that being said, you know, also on some champ stuff, man. Jorge Masvidal. You are right. This is an upgraded version of Khabib and Connor. Why? Listen, Jorge Masvidal lost 13 times. I believe his record, and I think I got it right here. His record is um, 35 and 13. But you look at that dude's lineup. That dude fought everybody. That dude. That dude. That, that dude's lineup is much, much better than Connor. Connor's a most capable lineup. His whole his highest octane lineup was at 145. Everybody he's fought at 155 or whatever. Um, he's defeated Donald Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone's got the most wins, but that's because of quantitative reasons. He's a lifelong journeyman. Let's face it. I mean, he's one of my most beloved fighters, but let's face it. Diaz was a journeyman until he moved that needle, until Conor him moved that needle, okay? Both of those fights were at 170, so so we ain't even talking about Conor. Khabib Nurmagomedov, I mean, this dude has everything Khabib has with with um, with better boxing. <laughs> So this is an upgrade, upgrade or whatever. I was excited to hear about this fight because Dana's all about that next man up, man. Particularly for main events, there are very few main events that that get changed last minute and they turn out to be bad. For some reason, they all turn out to be to be better. We were just talking about Connor. The reason why Diaz and Connor even happened was because uh, RDA pulled out. How about that? You know, yeah. the reason why Michael Bisbing actually held the 185-pound division hostage was because he got a fight on nine days' notice to fight Luke Rockhold. Rockhold was supposed to rematch with Chris, Chris Weidman, who's a wrestler. And Rockhold, he says, you know what? I'm not really prepared that much for Michael, but Michael's not going to hit me with anything hard to, hard to hurt. And what did he do? He stuck his big, arrogant chin out, and he got his block knocked off by a guy who has a reputation for hitting hard, but not necessarily having knockout power. You know, he ended up fighting, uh, went from training from a conventional righty to a left-handed guy that fights righty. Mikey, Michael Bisbing's a lefty. So getting back to this fight, man, I love it. Both of these guys, American top team, you know, up and down. Both um, don't need uh, a long time to do a blueprint or game plan on everyone. They know each other really, really well. And the only lurking variable going on, I, I believe he's got to cut just under 20 pounds. Uh, uh, to make the weigh-ins, and even though that's not what they want to do, they um, ATT guys can't, particularly the wrestlers. ATT guys cutting 20 pounds is not, is not like, um, is not. I'm not gonna say it's not like a big deal. 
It's just it's gonna be more tedious, but it's not it's not gonna suck him dry the way other people cut weight. They know how to cut weight in that camp. So, um, to answer the question, because I uh, MMA, you know, I started talking about everything. I like um I like this fight because Jorge's star power, uh, um, is better than, than than Burns and and really this is what Kamaro needed, just like what Anderson Silva needed. Anderson Silva needed a Chael Sonnen to get people in, to put people in seats. Um, Aldo really needed Conor McGregor. You know, he didn't need to get knocked out in 13 seconds, but he needed that to put the butts in seats. And this is exactly what Kamaro uh, Uzman needs. Should he win? And we're gonna get to the winners. Uh, uh, who's gonna win later? Uh, actually, no, we're gonna do that sooner than later. I love it. I love it, and I love this. I love this whole freaking card, you know. Uh, that's big a up, lot of great fights. Big up to Dana White too for the for testing, because we had last week we had a conversation about educating ourselves on what we know about COVID nineteen thus far, um, knowing the risk and then assuming the risk, and then uh, taking uh, intelligently uh, uh, taking and taking calculated risk. This this yeah. fight island, there's nothing within ten square ten mile radius of it. Everyone tests positive. They're on that island. And if they're negative, they're gone. If they're, if they're negative, they're, before they get to the island, they, they never even make it to the island. You know, Jessica Andrade had to get tested twice. So, um, all right. So, listen, who wins? Let's start with them. Let's start with the main event. I'm going to put them up. I'm going to put them up for us so the, so the um, so our, our devoted audience can see it. All right. Let's start. Um, let's start Paige Van Zandt, Amanda Rebus. I honestly don't really know much about these two, even though I've, I've yeah. like they've been on so many fights that I've tried to watch. But um, I'll go with uh, Rebus on this one. I'm not sure about Paige Van Zant. It's still a little. Yeah. Well, I'm not to sure me, about her. To me, activity is is a big thing. Activity is is the common denominator. I go with Rebus because she's more active and she's fighting more. And when you're nine and one. And you, you, I mean, hopefully she's not gonna underestimate Paige Van Zandt. You know, it's I mean, right. we don't look at Paige Van Zandt and think fresh meat. You know, I mean, the woman can <laughs> don't let the good looks fool you, and don't let her losses to, to to people who, by the way, are really good fighters fool you either. Right? She lost right. to Rosnama Yunez. Rosnama Yunez was a champ. Okay, she lost to Karate Heidi Michelle Waterson. We know Karate Heidi, even though she's had some tough losses, that girl comes to brawl to scrap all the time. Right? You've seen her fight. She's a scrapper, dude. Right. All right. So Andrade, this is a rematch. Andrade is the one who beat Rosnama Yunez um, for the belt before losing to Zaili Wang. So who who wins that one? The, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Rosnama Yunez on this one, just because. Uh, in a rematch, um, Rose, I thought, was was winning the fight, you know, pretty decisively the last time. And then, uh, you know, Andrade just did this, you know, massive power move and just threw on her head. And then that yeah, was the fight. But, yeah, I feel like um, even if it goes into deep water, I'm more, uh, you know, I'm happier with the more skilled fighter. Yeah. You know, I'd rather pick the more skilled fighter in a later fight, you know. Um, skill will always go further than athletics uh um or being athletic in athletics so well, yeah i'm definitely on uh, on rose on this one i'd love to see what she looks like now after you know the quarantine after a little time no doubt I think, uh, yeah. yeah 
Well, I have a new rule for the show. Anything you say, and if I feel the exact same way, I'm not going to waste the audience time to, to echo your sentiments, okay? You said cool. exactly everything I was going to say verbatim as far as um, long uh, uh, the match going further, who has a better gas tank, and who was winning the who was actually winning that previous fight until she got dropped in her head. Boom. Perfect. Skip that. Uh, Peter Jan, Jose Aldo. I am amped for this one, dude. I am amped for this one, dude. Oh, all right, I go first. Got to go with Aldo. Aldo's got good good skill set. Aldo's got um, uh, his learning experience losing to Max Holloway. There's nothing to really learn from from Conor McGregor except don't don't jump in angry and think you know and think you're invincible. You know he he knows his vulnerabilities. He knows his limitations. And his last few fights, man, he staved off some some people that I thought were coming after him because he was a wounded animal. Aldo is no longer a wounded animal. Aldo is officially dangerous, but so is Peter Yan. Who's your pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, we don't agree on this one. Nope. Um, I believe that Peter Jan is going to walk through Aldo. I think Aldo is just past his time at a top five fighter in any division now. Uh, I just think that the way the fighters are coming out now, the older the fighter is, you'll be just a little bit slower. I get the experience, but at this age, like I honestly feel that Peter Jan is just going to overpower Jose Aldo, and, and uh, you know he's very skilled as well, but. Aldo is a bit older. He's got a weaker chin. Like, you're going against a power guy who's yeah. incredibly skilled, who kick or hit body, face, like, and then yeah. we're not even talking about the ground game. So I just, I don't really see Aldo doing very well. But again, I think he's, you know, he has that star power from that McGregor fight. And uh, he's been doing great since that. And uh, I wish him the best, but I, I just don't have him having the win in this one. Yeah. Look, I don't blame you. I think I'm, I'm, as far as being the minority on uh, on the on this pick, I think I'm, out of my peers, I'm the only one that picked Aldo. But I just have my gut. My gut tells me it's him. Um, I would love to see another performance. I, I honestly, if I were to pick him, I would just be like, hey, I think he's gonna have another one more, like another masterful performance from yeah. you know ten years ago, and just you know make us all remember who Jose Aldo is, and you know go yeah. out in the shining horse, you know. I mean, uh, Connor ruined him. He did. His legacy. Oh, he did. Ten oh, he times did. more than Max Holloway did. You know, and what I mean? he did, and Connor barely had. He he built a small legacy off Aldo, but he destroyed everything Aldo built. It's true. You know, it's like. And oof. at the time, I didn't feel sad for Aldo because Aldo's pulled out more times than a general in a fucking whorehouse. Okay, uh, and there go my sponsors. Um, so, but um, he, you know, he's always pulling out of fights. There was a reason why, like, Connor Connor had to fight Chad Mendez. He pulled out. Right, he's pulled out. He's he's sitting there holding the belt, you know, hostage. You you don't. I mean, you don't even get to see him defended in, in in a year. And so when Connor did that, I was like, oh, hurrah, hooray, hooray! Now we got a fighting champion. Now we have a fighting defending champion, which that didn't happen either, right? He hasn't. No. He still to date hasn't defended any title he's ever won. So I got honey dicked on that one. I got yeah, I got hoodwinked. People bamboozled. Okay, let's go to one of the double main events. We got Alexander Volkanovsky against Max Blessed Holloway. Whew, it's a tough one. Um, honestly, I always go with a fighter that is a bit shorter and has a longer reach. I just, for some reason, I feel like that is just like my uh, X factor in, in, in the terms of thing. I feel like a little bit shorter always has a little bit better movement because they're kind of forced to. Um, and the guys with the taller, longer arms, you know, they just kind of, you know, stick to what they know best. And 
I love to see Max Holloway back at 145. That's where he belongs. So we're going to see the best Max Holloway, and he's going to go against the absolute best in that division, which is Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, who do I have winning, though? I mean, I have this going five all the way. Just um, like last time. Yeah, man. I don't – I just – I mean, it's going to be like pulling straws. So I, I feel like it's going to be Alexander Volkanovsky because he might be more willing to go take, take him down. Or, or get to the ground where I think that Max Holloway is is so good on the ground, so good on his feet that he would rather stand and trade than maybe do something in a smart, uh, as a smart move, as a smart fire to get a couple extra points, um, and you know change the, the 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 idea of the fight because if he can take him down, if he can take down uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, and is able to change the 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 view of the fight, maybe making him more aggressive to get a couple more points he opens him up to, to being able to put some more hurt on him to get more points for himself. So I think if Max Holloway could be able to play more of a chess game at this high level, which he hasn't had to in a long time, um, he's definitely in the driver's seat. But, um, yeah, I have to go with Volkanovski on this one. Yeah, um, really tight really tight decision. Raise a close decision the first time, and I think it's going to go similarly this time. And it could, and sometimes these these tight decisions can go one way or another. But I see Volkanovski winning again because um, one of Max's things he's a volume striker and he's he's a good points guy. And eventually he gets his knockouts because his his volume of striking is overwhelming. But he's facing a mirror image of himself that's at at, at this point in his career seems to be doing doing that a little bit better than Max. And I mean, can Max out outpoint him and outperform him? Yeah. Yeah, will he? But that, that's that's why picking these fights are fun. Um, who do I like more? I'm always gonna like Max Holloway more more than Volkanovski. Not that Volkanovski is a bad dude. Um, it's just Max is more beloved. You know, he's more media friendly. His kid is his kid's adorable, and you always want nice things for him. So the real winner for me, the real winner is me and you because because we're gonna have we're gonna have, we're gonna be proud to call either one of those guys our champions, right? Volkanovski is part of um, Israel Adesanya's team, so he's part of that movement. You know, and 21 and 1 is no joke, particularly in the fights that he chose to take last minute and the fights that he had to prepare for leading to this title. And hey, 145 is going to be deep. Um, it's going to be, I call it three three deep, you know, four deep, you know. Mm. Uh, so let's get to the main event. The main event is now Jorge Masvidal at 170 fighting Kamaru Usman. Rob. Ha <laughs> Million dollar question. Who wins this one? You know, man, I, I just, and, and this kind of is like another idea that I have of mine when it comes to uh, UFC fighters. I do like a shorter guy with a longer reach, but I also dislike a longer guy with a longer reach. Uh, I think, again, this sport is made to uh, exploit the advantages and exploit the disadvantages of your opponent. Right. Um, and when it's too glaring on what you what you have to to be good at, it's almost easier to counter that. And I think that Jorge Masvidal is a very very smart fighter. He's I think so that good. is one of the most underrated things that he's good at is that he's so smart, and that when he decides to do something, he uses his whole force. He uses all of his twitch, all of his athleticism, and you can't really stop that, you know. And then mixed with that, he's a very disciplined fighter. He's very flexible. He's able to kick from a very without you know any type of wind up. He's able to. He has power in both hands. 
You know, he's able to scramble and hit you off the scramble. You know, he's able to back up, hit you when he's backing up. You know, Camaro doesn't have that ability. So I think it's really going to be interesting to see if Camaro is going to try to stand more like the Kobe Covington fight or if he's going to try to put more hurt on him, especially coming off this long layoff where, you know, his hands may not be the most crisp. Um, try to bring it to the ground like a Tyron Woodley fight and just try to point out and, and, and force Jorge to not score any points from the bottom. So I think that um, I honestly, and I'm going to be truthful, I really want to pick Jorge Masvidal because I love him as a fighter. I think that it's he's going to win this fight. I really do think he's going to win this fight. But the, uh, the, I really think the smart choice is Kamara Usman because his game is so simple. There's been so much going on. Everybody's been off of fighting for four months, you know. And if you're talking about what's the most simple defense, what's the most simple offense, the easiest to come back at a high level is going to be what Kamara Usman was able to do against uh, Tyron Woodley and what he chose not to do against Kobe Covington. So I'm going to have to go with Kamara Usman on this. I think it's going to be a fantastic fight. I think it could be the start of a trilogy, uh, especially with their bad blood. And uh, I think that possibly Jorge loses this one and maybe wins the next two. Wow, me. Um, Got to go with Kamaru Usman. I think it goes five rounds. I think Kamaru Usman is a very tough guy to finish, and the only way I actually see um, Jorge Masvidal winning this fight is by finishing him. And if he does finish him, it's probably going to be in the third round. Um, something, something that... Um, you said uh, twice that I meant to mention and agree with you on was um, the reach. And if you look at the reach, sometimes it's not about having the reach advantage. It's about how you use your reach, right? Which is, again, yes. I, go back to, I go back to Connor. He has a 74-inch reach, just like Jorge Masvidal, but he, his slips are, are, are just amazing. Gets in and out. Now, Kamara has a longer reach, but I, I don't think he uses it the same way Masvidal uses it. If you, if you exactly. look at the Covington fight, there's no way Covington should have gotten in and out. Um, the way he did against a guy who has a significant reach, right? I've always complimented um, Tony Ferguson on his reach, and um, I didn't think he used it particularly well against um, um, Justin Gaethje. But in his defense, he was he was he was preparing, preparing himself to fight for a grappler, you right. know. Yeah. Uh, um, Where distance is never gonna matter. <laughs> yeah. So so I go with Uzman, and I think he's gonna get lumped up a little bit, but. Um, I would have picked Masvidal if I did not see the last fight because the last fight, Usman showed me he can take a large amount of punishment because Kobe Covington, he was... i never seen Kobe Covington load up like that. I mean, he usually just gets a couple of couple of hits and then, you know, pins you against the cage, gives you, you know, gives you, rubs it, gives you a couple of noogies, you know, uh, but I've never seen him load up and try to really try to take someone's head off the way I saw him go after Kamaru Usman. Two guys that just wanted each other that bad, dude. I mean, you know... um. So, the old saying is, I, I, the, one of the looking variables we need to look out for are body shots. I think Masvidal is very, very good at going to the body. I think one of his philosophies, Greg Jans Drake Jackson supports, is if you want a spectacular knockout, you got to go go to the body. Um, something we saw Justin Gaethje doing a lot of fights too. He really, he really uh, bruised up um, Michael Johnson for that first win he got. And I don't know anything about. This dude's defense, you know, uh, against body kicks or body shots. But that's when I want to watch out for the first two rounds. If he goes to the body or whatever and this and that and, and Kamara starts to feel it, look out, shout. You know, the same way um, Stipe Miocic made that, that minor adjustment against uh, Daniel Cormier. A fight that I thought Cormier was winning. I thought Absolutely. He, when he got knocked out the fourth round, I thought Cormier was up 2-1. 
and some gave Cormier all three, all the first three. So, but then it was just boom. Oh, oh that don't hurt. <laughs> boom, that don't hurt. <laughs> boom. Oh, that one hurt a little. <laughs> that don't hurt. <laughs> oh, cool, man. So, side question: How much does um do these fighters pulling out of the fights because of COVID affect the UFC and how they do their business? I don't. I think uh, most of the time it's very impactful. But uh, talking about COVID, I think it's not as impactful because we're all in the same situation together, you know. And it's because of one overlying factor. It's not us different uh, underlying factors each time, you know. Everybody's got to get tested twice. He could have been tested. He could have had a, a false positive you know, gone to Abu Dhabi and had a negative there and had to go home too, you know. So I'm glad they caught it on the first round. But uh, the the most important thing is that everybody's safe, you know, and I think they got it right by being able to have a, a great fight back up. And just like you were saying before, uh, they've done a great job, a really, really, really good job of either being in contact with people before the fights, before anything happens to make sure another fight is set up, or that... They just keep everybody on on check that hey if you're not fighting this weekend and, and you're not prepared let me know because I'm gonna I might be able to uh, get you in a fight late notice and pay you really well if you're able to fight if you're ready to fight so whatever it is they do a great job of putting really good uh, backup fights on but I think it's the it, this is the fight game you know a lot of people either use it for their advantage but other people you know they get injuries you know you get sick you, you get sick a week before the fight you try to get it out. You know, a couple hours before, it's like, yo, man, I just can't do it. You know, I'm gonna, I'm basically just gonna be a punching bag for money, and it's just, I'd rather enjoy my sport. So, I get it, um, and I think that the UFC has done a great job of trying to mitigate those factors. Yeah, I think the US, the UFC is a very good job at answering hypotheticals, right? Like COVID, they want everyone to stay home, and if you can't stay home, um, social distance. If you can't social distance, wear a mask. To me, that's the order. Um, um, and sporting events, they people say that's not essential. Uh, like I heard someone have an argument on first take. Like it's why why are we doing this? It's not an essential. Like people, you know, post office. These people they're doing essentials. And I think that's an, to, to me the argument's illogical. It is a fact that it's not essential. But being it being essential has has, has nothing to do with whether you should do it or not. You're not you're not shutting down all non-essentials because because people are not leaving their house. Okay. Um, so hypothetically, if they could do it, how would they do it? And that's, my, that, that's what I'm comp- commending the USC on. This is the hypothetical. If we're going to do it, how do we do it? Well, we'll do it like this, like this, like this. Boom, it's worked. You know? Boom, this guy has COVID. Okay, he's out. You know? Okay, that person doesn't, he's in. And they're, they're keeping it simple because this is going to be a normal way of life. And we have to find ways to behave normally around it instead of just staying in the house and being scared of the news. So... And I think for our mental psyche, uh, people disqualify that as an essential. For people's peace, state of mind, for people's um, um, peace of mind, for people to be able to just feel normal and not feel scared all the time, th- that's an essential. Entertainment is an essential. Escapism is an essential. People call those non-essentials, but, and, and they are non-essentials on a very, very freaking temporary basis. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, they're the sport that's not skipping a beat, and I got to give them that. And I only brought that up because basketball, right? I know Florida's like uh, not the, the place you want to be, but if you're in a place that's quarantined, if you're in Orlando, unless it's an airborne virus, 
And unless you don't trust full-grown adults to, to, to not behave like children and leave and come back and infect everybody, that might be the issue, you know? And that's what's going on, Rob. That's what's going on everywhere. That's why beaches are being closed down. Basically, if we don't behave like adults, the government will treat us like children, right? I mean, if you have a social distance thing on the beach and you see a video in Florida and everyone's all bunched up treating it like it's spring break, guess what? They're going to shut it down, right? In the NBA, if people start leaving and leaving, and people start getting infected in that quarantine area, you watch how fast they shut it down. So this is not necessarily about getting rid of non-essentials. This is about a me, a challenge to, to, to grown-ass men to, 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 to behave, to, to, to understand what the virus does knowledge so far right there's still knowledge coming in know the risk assume the risk and take calculated risk right don't do don't do dumb stuff don't do dumb stuff i'm not saying people that get got caught, caught with this are dumb but some rob some people got it because they were stupid yeah right let's be real some people got it oh i don't need the social distance i, well, I don't need to wash my hair where i don't wear a people mask pain people mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot going on man mm -hmm. and i i just i think it goes again to that people just don't have a straight answer and there is not really a straight answer here but there's definitely a better answer than what we've been giving people which is figure it out for yourself yeah you know? that's crazy there's not one consolidated answer and that's that's what we need right now yeah. you know as as a just to calm everything down in all sectors. Yeah, but there's there is a generally accepted thing, right? Social distance, and if you're too close, wear a damn mask. You know, For and, sure. if, and if you're lucky enough to have a job where you can work at home, that that's that's cool. I mean, what? <laughs> Do you sure you want? You really want to go in the office? No, you don't. <laughs> so, um, all right. So that takes care of that. So let's take care of this this uncomfortable topic um, that's coming up next. Um, Donald Trump has hit the sports world again because obviously in, in his world of politics, uh, the, the level of attention is not enough. Um, Trump just sent out a, we, a tweet, and this is um, basically directed at NASCAR, um, particularly at Bubba Wallace. And, and the tweet goes as such, and I'm actually just going to put it up for people to read. Um, basically, it says, has Bubba Wallace apologized to all those great NASCAR drivers and officials who came out to his aid, stood by his side, and were willing to sacrifice everything for him, only to find out that the whole thing was just another hoax? That and flag decision has caused ratings, uh, lowest ratings ever. So, Rob, uh, I wanted to get your reaction, but this one I think I want to go first. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, before I say what I gotta say, I'm not. This is not a, pol a political show, and I and my reaction is not a political reaction. My pol my reaction is just gonna just gonna be based on what the facts are and my opinions due to those facts. Let's start with the facts. A noose was found, uh, not by Bubba Wallace, by one of his people. We we agree so far. Mm -hmm. All right, um, that was reported. And it was and it was put on blast because it's not something that it is my opinion that that's not they not something that they wanted to hide that comes out later. So based on that fact, that's my opinion. Uh, with that being said, um, if it's discovered months ago, it is my opinion that that he didn't plant it months ago. It's not. It's a. I mean. It's not, to me, it's my opinion. It's not a hoax based on this fact. It's not. It's not my. It's not. It's my. It's my opinion um, based on the fact that they all came together and they all support him. Which, by the way, is not sacrificing anything. They're not risking anything. They're not the ones that are getting death threats, right, by email or or or, or on social media. They're not threatening his life. Um, 
And the third one, that flag and decision has caused the lowest, lowest ratings ever. No, the lowest ratings uh, ever have to do with COVID. But people are still not watching sports because sports without fan support, uh, like USC viewership is down even though they're doing great, you know? So that fact is not logically connected to, to um, a, a flag, all right? And it's also a fact that statistically in 2016, 42% of people that are NASCAR fans voted for Barack Obama, who is an African-American, who is a liberal, and who is against the Confederate flag. So I don't think that it is my opinion that taking the flag away didn't drop the ratings. So this man is, it's clickbait. He's out of his freaking mind. And the only one that's actually risked that that's risked everything uh, by coming forward and, and saying Black Lives Matter and his and his career is this is this individual Bubba Wallace, who I think is has done it with a heightened level level of honor, you know, and big up to be the floor is yours in a minute, but big up to NASCAR. Big up to NASCAR that's saying we're not we're we're defending him, but not because we're defending the black man. We're defending our brother. Okay, that happens to be black. He has something that's highly personal to him. And you know what? This man has supported everything that's highly personal to us. So we come in a bat for him. So the, from the media that covers NASCAR all the way up to the drivers himself, all the way up to upper management. Thumbs up. Flows yours. Your reaction when you saw this, this, um, this tweet, which I, I judge is um, uh, 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 apolitically asinine. Yeah, uh, I never thought that I would say that a president needs to re- refuse to have communication with the public. But, man, this is just kind of crazy how uh, <laughs> completely off-hinge that a president of the United States, right? This is what we're talking about. A president of the United States um, is talking about. And usually it's had to have good insight. And now it's that we just can't get him out of our face, Um the hardest thing I, I think that it is uh, that I hear in that, that statement is that the, the, just the, the, that word hoax, you know, there's no hoax, you know, the, the, there was no, nobody tried to plan anything. If anything, it, it, at, the, at, the, at the best case scenario, it was, it was put there and it was made there for somebody who, you know, that track was shared with, you know, a, a local a racing team and they did that there because there's some racist people over there but not in the nascar of course um but it doesn't matter you know the whole fact is, is a noose was tied what is a noose for you know uh a noose was on that garage door for two years what does that signify right that signifies even just like the co- confederate flag was flying up there it was like oh confederate flag oh noose okay i see what's going on here you know, that's these are significant uh, symbols for a community um, yeah. back in the day. So <clears throat> hoax is what uh, stuck out to you, though, right? Is that what hoax, was- is, hoax, yeah, hoax is what stuck out just because um, he didn't do nothing. All he did was report what he saw. He didn't even blame anybody. And he, he didn't, didn't even, even report it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, all he all he did was be a part, you know, be involved, you know, be the 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 most uh recognizable person in the room whether it's black or nascar driver or whatever it was you know um and even if he didn't report it the reason why they reported it you know if if it was i'm not trying to say it like in a mean way but i don't think there would be a a reason why somebody on a team where they don't feel like 
that person would feel in a in a very bad way about that signal that, that symbol right uh, if that's been there for two years there's been a lot of people that's seen that symbol and have not thought of any type of way about it you know but not even Bo himself somebody who understood why he might feel a certain way had to go and report that right so I think it's a it's it's more about the atmosphere that's that's being uh, portrayed here as opposed to what factually happened right I don't need to hear about somebody's opinion on what's going on like in all seriousness, Trump is just making his own news. You know, yeah. he's just talking about things in his own manner and having his own opinion on it, and saying. And I agree, to a certain extent, that news needs to be a lot more unopinionated. But that doesn't mean we make more opinionated news and we call everything that's trying to be unopinionated, even though it's not. It's trying to be unopinionated instead of trying to hold it accountable. We just say hey fake news especially yeah. if his supporters establish uh, accept this as fact exactly. you, right i mean look exactly. you got you got uh, um the 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 operative word you got out of this thing was hoax the operative word i got out of this was flag all right obviously this man's trying to cling on to a base that um the probably the only thing that's that's left and I'm, i mean I'm not telling anybody who I'm voting for because I don't. It's none of your damn business, and uh, um, I don't even know if I'm gonna vote for, for for either either the left or the right on this one. But with that being said, if you talk about the flag lowering your ratings, that means you're appealing to a a, a group of people that are that are are, are nationalist dominated, or not nationalist because it's not a, right. The Confederate flag is not even a country. We had a no. war. <laughs> we, had a, we, we, we literally had a war over this. So, Cessationalist. Yeah. But I wanted to finish with this. Free speech, okay? I'm a big fan, proponent of free speech. But I want to let everybody listening out there let you know that free speech is not... Free speech doesn't... Free speech protects you from government persecution, from government arrest for what you say, okay? It doesn't protect you from other free speech. When that chick that told LeBron James to shut up and dribble, like everyone's saying, oh, she doesn't have a right to say it. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. But free speech, her free speech doesn't protect her from other free speech, right? It doesn't protect her from LeBron saying back she can go kick rocks, which he didn't say. He just said, he just said, I ain't going to shut up in trouble. Like Donald Trump, look, this is his, his free speech. He's exercising it. But he's got to know, even from his own supporters and even from the people that oppose him, this doesn't protect him from other free speech. NASCAR... Um, their response was not even heavy. They didn't even come at him, Rabbit. They just said, hey, look, this is, you know, clearly this, this is not a hoax, you know? Yeah, yeah they, they took the, they really took the high road. Man, what a classy, classy group of people there. I'm learning. I mean, I mean, should we even thank Trump that I'm watching NASCAR now? No, no but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's, he's idiotic enough to take credit over it. Okay, mm -hmm. and ladies and gentlemen, we're getting the hell in and out of this topic because it's a, because there's some of y'all out there, like if you're an Obama person, he, he, he could do no wrong. He could drone whoever he wants. If you're a Trump person, he, he could do no wrong. I mean, I had I seen people ready to start fistfights over someone they never even met. You know, I'm wearing a Yankee hat. I, I've, I was at Redondo. I was at the coffee shop at Redondo. And there's eight guys out there uh, yelling at everyone that goes by, go Trump. Go Trump. And then someone walked by with a Yankee hat and they say, F the Yankees F, or F New York. And then they saw me with a hat and I'm like, so in, on one end, you're saying F New York, but the guy you're voting for is from Queens in New York. 
that's that's the route I'm going at. Not left it or right. I'm talking about things that make sense. Say have your free speech, but free speech doesn't make doesn't mean someone can't call you a moron. Okay, we all know that ignorance is not only bliss; it's constitutional. It, this was a moronic tweet. And that's out. a very good point. Like uh, mm-hmm. free speech is protected, by, like by the government from the government, uh, but it also doesn't protect you from. Uh, like you said, Laura Ingram saying that to LeBron and Laura Ingram losing her job because other people spoke out against what she said, yeah. right? Because they're the consumers, because she speaks to the consumers. She doesn't just run her, like, a, a news there. business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, but she got a lot of backlash for that. Good. She got, she lose a lot of pay for that. She lose a lot of uh, endorsements for that. Yep. She, was, she closed a lot of doors from that, right? Because that's their so, free speech, right? Because that's yes, their free speech. Right. And retali- to, yeah. Right. And that's what I think people have to understand is that a movement can be more than what everybody else says it is, as opposed to trying to prove that it's not this or not that. Like, Black Lives Matter, sorry that I have to say that, is a humanitarian movement. It is not a political stance. So it's about some people not living anymore because of a certain issue. And we're talking about the issue and everything else is conflation. Everything else is people talking about things that do not matter. Yeah. Let's change the system. Sorry that y'all are upset, but we change the system because it's just not right. Yeah. It's just not right. I agree. Well, anyone who thinks that all life is precious should be on board with this. So exactly. I don't think it's a Democratic or so Republican thing. Where, what did you call it? You call it a humanitarian movement? All lives matter does black yeah. lives not lay. Right. right. That's, yeah. that's, that's that. Is that what you called it? A humanitarian movement? It's a humanitarian well, issue. Excellent. Excellent. Well phrased. Good. Um, yeah, I had that in the in my intro and outro last week. Uh, uh, Chris Austin, who, perfect. As you know, old college buddy. Um, my guy. Yo, love the love Chris Austin, man. Chris Austin's no frills, man. Dude's yeah. all no nonsense, all business. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that whole that whole team <laughs> that you played on was like that. I'm like, geez. I'm like, at least Rob's here in spirit. All right, so um, let's move on to the next topic. Um, let's talk about the Redskins, all right? Rumors are, are continuing, to, continuing to circulate that there is pressure coming from all sides to change the name uh, Washington's team, uh, the Redskins. Um, at the same time, three Redskins minority owners are looking to sell their stakes. And these three minority owners represent 40% of the team. Um, so, Rob, looking into this correlation, what are the chances Dan Snyder is going to budge or not? Well, you know, the one thing that makes all owners in all sports shaking their boots is slashing up their bottom line. So he's losing 40% of his bottom line of people that, you know, he either trusts or has the opportunity to be the leader of them. He's got to bring in and start schmoozing 40% more of the business that he's got to sell now because, or that's going to be sold off from him because, you know, he has he's the leader of that team and uh it's been years and years and years of dan snyder not doing anything and it's uh you know it just comes to fruition you know and i i would i I love that there is black ownership in washington redskins i don't think that they should sell i think that they should force him to sell 20 percent. you know i don't think that I think it's been way too long. He's had so many opportunities to create, again, protecting the image, create a great image for his team. The franchise has been trashed for so many years. 
They've never done good things on the field, and now they're creating bad press off the field and have been for years and at a bad time. And it's still, even right now, can't even say it's going to change because that would be a definitive answer as opposed to we'll see what we can come up with. You've been seeing what you had to come up with for years now. Like I said, like is it, is it the fact that you can't come up with a better name? I mean, there are thousands of names you can come up with just to put on your team's name. I get that it's a if, if you're having trouble with the financials, see if the NFL will back you. But the fact that you can't make a decision is disturbing, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Look, uh, this name I didn't really think of in, in the 90s. Redskins, whatever, this and that. But then you 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 know, the um, not the news, but like people start talking to different tribes. You know, different um, reservations and and their thoughts and sentiments. And to me, if more people in those tribes are offended than than they're not, I think it's time to change the name. I think it's time to change the name. And I'm not a big fan of changing the name just because a handful of people are offended. I mean, and and has to make sense. I'll give you an example: the Chiefs. The Chiefs. I mean, what if you think of what a chief, or whether it's an Indian chief or whether it's a chief of police, or and obviously Chiefs because you you look at the symbols, the emblems, or whatever, and it's Indian related. Chiefs. I mean, that's 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 a bunch of G's, man. <laughs> right? That's a bunch of bosses, man. Who who the hell don't want that team to be called the Chiefs? You know? Or and and of course, I'm speaking from an ignorant place. Uh, uh, some someone that only knows what I know, which might not be known better. Maybe someone writes to me and says, "Hey, you know." Let's dial it back on that. This is this, and I'll be like, okay, let me do my own research. Let me ask. Some, let me ask some people. Whatever. But so I'm not a big proponent in changing the names for every team, just because whatever. I mean, um, but yeah, Chiefs gotta go. I'm not Chiefs gotta go. Um, Jesus Christ, uh, uh, the Redskins gotta go. I've been calling them Washington for so long. You never even hear me. You never even hear me use the name. I don't even use the team now. I just say Washington. So well, um, let me let me tell you about that. It's like the the, the other issue with that is, uh, you know, there's been a lot of teams throughout you know the years who have changed their names. You know, please. and some of the the most uh, prominent schools, uh, as well as some schools that we know just from being on the East Coast. But you know, uh, Stanford. You know, Stanford Cardinals. They were the Stanford Indians until 1974. Uh, again, I, it's not like I'm chastising them, but they took it on themselves to change. And now the Stanford Eagle is, I mean, the Stanford Cardinal is known, you know, everywhere. Like you say Stanford, the first thing you think about is Cardinal. So the, cards, the, yep. fact, the fact that you think that uh, this name means more than your franchise, your team, what you embody has another image, has another lesson. You know, same thing with St. John. They had... Uh, they said it was for red jerseys, but again, th- their name was the Redmen, and at that time there were so many teams yes. that said Redmen that were Redmen. And the emblem was Indian related too, so they're lying exactly. about that too. But go ahead. So they're just pulling at straws at that point. But um, you have Marquette, you know, another great basketball team that was uh, named the Warriors for until 1994, right? And they, they, a lot of people knew them. They did a great job in NCAA championships. Uh, great runs everywhere. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Baron Davis came from there. It's, it's just a lot of great, great talent came from that school. Blue, and blue chip basketball program, yeah. Blue chip basketball program. Mm-hmm. And then now they're the Golden Eagles. It's a fantastic name. You know, it's, it's honestly embodies what their colors and their school is all about. You know, yeah. uh, So the fact that in this day and age, you can't think forward and to, uh, you know, progress uh, and not be fearful that, I need to stay where I am because that's safe. 
You know, I think that's the bigger message across all these uh, uh, platforms is that progress is scary, but we need to do it together, you know, yeah. and, and to stay in the past, uh, no matter what it is, even if you think you're in the right, if you're staying in the past, you're not moving forward. God you know? bless. So if it is good, it yeah. will last over time. Yeah. And believe in it. Syracuse Orange Man. Yeah. <laughs> Syracuse Orange Man. Uh, yeah. You have uh, even the Utah Utes. Um, they actually were forced to change Sorry, I'm but, from but, Brooklyn. But, but, Go ahead. I hear you. But they <laughs> they they uh they were the Suyo uh, Suyo some uh, the Suyo Chiefs or something. And then they changed to the Utah Utes because they actually went to uh, neighboring tribes around the area and asked them if they were able to uh use their um symbol and use uh their name to promote even just the Indian tribes of the area. So I think there are again favorable ways to go about it no as well as um you know uninformed you, and intelligent ways dude when you said you you know i was thinking about my cousin Vinny. <laughs> you too, too, yes. too. is it safe to say that the two youths excuse me two two what what would you say what what what, what i say dudes <laughs> what is he what is a youth <laughs> oh excuse me your honor two youths <laughs> is it safe to say that the two defendants <laughs> so um yeah i like and i like the conversation because even if someone disagrees i'd rather have someone have a conversation and disagree and know where they stand and not have the conversation at all and then and to, to be dismissive no 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 no, no we're not going to talk about it no let's talk about it you know let's talk about it <laughs> until of course they get to the cowboys and then it'll be a civil war all over again <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's not let's not <laughs> Oh no. oh no so what do we do do we do our next section right i believe my favorite section my personal best is called good idea bad idea oh my god and my kids stomping so rob good idea bad idea let's actually start this over if i can reset it well Good idea, bad idea. Bucks and Kings shutting down their facility until they get to Orlando. Uh, good idea. I think that the, the, the least amount of contact possible uh, is good in there. Uh, although I think they should have a cleaning place. Uh, people coming in just to make sure it's, you know, everything's fr uh, flush and fresh. But I think uh, keeping it closed is good. <laughs> yeah. I, Rob, I co-signed with you. Good idea because they had some uh, positive test cases in both of those facilities, them along with one or the two other basketball franchises. And they're thinking, hey, you know, we got a three-week camp. Um, in three weeks in Orlando, should be plenty of time to get prepared prepared for that. So co-signed with you. Clock stopped. So we'll stop. Good idea. Rob, Rob, good idea, bad idea. Baseball having a 60-game season. Go. Uh, good idea. I think that it's it's an opportunity for baseball to see how uh, a shortened season might look, um, and see if the, you know the top top teams have to play the first eighty games of the season to see who the you know the best ten teams to fight for another two months of a playoff series would be. You know, so I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea because. Baseball is 162 games, and even though it's America's pastime, and even though these a lot of these stadiums sell out the entire year, blood starts boiling, tension gets high, butt cheeks get tight when the playoffs or, or the pennant race is coming. So when you think about a 60-game season, 
you think instant penalties. You think instant adrenaline. You think instant exciting time to be a baseball fan. You think instant, um, oh, man, we're, we're just here. Baseball is here, and the playoffs are here, and the World Series is just around the corner. Ooh, guess we don't get no horn today. All right, Rob, good, good idea, bad idea. Cam Newton uh, posts on social media that he's tired of being humble. He's basically he's paraphrasing. He's a lion. He wants to roar. I'm going to roar. Good idea, bad idea. Uh, good idea. I think that, uh, like they were saying on, the sh- uh, on a couple shows earlier, was that, you know, they're giving uh, Cam full reign to be that, that alpha player. And with losing Gronkowski, losing Tom Brady, they don't have that number one guy. And I think him not being humble sets him on a different path of not trying to be, you know, the most fan friendly, you know, the most uh, excitable player, but to be a winner. And I think in the system that he's going into, he needs to be that type of player. Yeah, um, co-signed with that. Good idea. Because if if you are who you say you are, superstar, right? Um, it's one of those things where Cam, that's being confident is not the demon he has to conquer. Uh, being able to take it as well as dish it is, is whatever, right? When he wins, mm-hmm. he's media friendly. He's wearing these new clothes, these ridic- uh, ridiculous outfits. Uh, but when he's losing, he can't handle that. And Bill Belichick is one of those guys that would rather have you not answer questions at all. I don't think Bill Belichick's the kind of guy that's going to try to break him down uh, because of his ego. I think Bill Belichick's the kind of guy that's going to let his ego um, um, uh take its course because Bill Belichick knows personalities and he knows that there are certain types of players that play that way because that chip on their shoulder puts pressure on themselves to live up to their expectations. Um, I, as a former player, was like that. The biggest thing on me as a former volleyball player was that I, um, oh, Jason thinks he's, he thinks he's better than he really is. And I'm like, you're right. I do think I'm better than I am. And, and, I, and I talk the talk and I do this. And then when I get on the court and I, I know that the, the, the first mistake that I make, someone's going to come at me. So I always make sure I'm on that court with a, with a mistake-free approach. I'm going to make some mistakes or whatever, but I can take it because I'm, I, was, I was at this point in my career where I was overachieving um, until I became that person. I faked it till I made it. <laughs> so I understand. Uh, I'm not saying Cam is faking it till he makes it, but I think he's that, uh, that type of person where putting that chip on his shoulder and saying, come and get me, I'm ready, is his, his way of, of keeping him up all the time. Hmm. You know? How about you? you you're, just one of the, you're just one of these mentally pre- mental preparation players, right? You're just... I live and breathe my sport. So, um, yeah. you know, every day I'm doing something, you know, visualization-wise or, you know, just, I mean... It, Honestly, the time that the times I actually physically get to touch the ball, I'm so excited because I've I've been in my head thinking about stuff so much. So, yeah, it's more of that. Uh, I'm just a very cerebral type of player, so it's kind of I'm all, my mind's always going. So it can't it's never going to be spiked or it's never going to be low. It's just uh, you know I just embrace that. I can appreciate that. Um, so Rob, uh, we got a little before we go thing to having having, and I'm going to keep mine as short as I can. A uh, special place in my heart. I meant to talk about it last week. I saw the documentary Believe Land. Basically, it's about sports teams in Cleveland and um, how people were just thirsting for a championship and they've come close and 
not to be. They've come close, 1995. Remember, lost to the Braves. You know, come close. LeBron James, oh, the king is coming. Oh, my God, the king just left us. Oh, the king is back. And then they finally got one. Watching this movie made me appreciate, uh, uh, I have two things I got out of this. It made me really appreciate the movie Major League. Major League I in Cleveland is religion. Movie. Major League in Cleveland is, is uh, like, I think kids grow up believing it's a documentary. <laughs> I thought I did, too. I had to look up, like, Cleveland and be like, I thought they won back in, you know, 90, what was it, 95 or something? Uh, just <laughs> Like, amazing. did they have that big comeback season with that really terrible yeah. owner or something like that? Like, you know, Wesley Slamps is on the team. That was one of the things I got from it. And the second thing I got from it, I'm going to tell the city of Cleveland, you watch your mouth and you show some respect. Don't be talking about how the Cleveland Cavaliers were your first champion champion in 50 years. Watch your mouth. There was a man named Stipe Miocic who knocked out Fabrizio Verdum to become the, the first heavyweight champion of the UFC, which is the, the, the gold standard for mixed martial arts. In essence, is the baddest man on the planet. We don't call the heavyweight boxing champ the baddest man on the planet anymore. No, the, he, the, 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 the MMA heavyweight champ is the baddest man on the planet. Because they can take the fight wherever you go. They take you down. You're not going to scream, oh, I want to bang. I want to bang. Let me up and bang. <laughs> uh, no, your first champion in 50 years was this man. You, you want to talk about humble? Your humble champ, who, by the way, is a full-time fire firefighter for, 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 a fire, for a firehouse, a fire department in Cleveland, Ohio. Believe in, believe in your man. Stipe Miocic, and I love the documentary because I, I love that it's a real, a, a true sports town. You know, these people didn't abandon their, 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 their teams the same way I'm abandoning the Knicks. <laughs> so, you know, anything before we go? I had to, I had to yeah, do a Believe Land I shout out. Do. I I You know, I saw a really tough shout, uh, a really tough thing I wanted to shout out this morning. I, I saw, and I had followed the story a little bit, but uh, Broadway star Nick Quadero. Uh, passed away oh, from uh, that's right. coronavirus yeah and then it just kind of hit me so super hard because you know just the way that people take you know the whole a hoax you know the coronavirus is a hoax and it's not a real thing you know there's like you know what 200,000 120,000 deaths within a six-month period the fact that people can't see that as what the hell is going on is a very big problem and just to see that someone fought this with top medical care He's a Broadway star. People actually know him. Tony so nominated Bullets Over Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, that's a well-known person. So you know he's getting celebrity treatment. And he couldn't beat it after a month long, which means that he himself in that was in that battle for a very long time. 90 days. And he, yeah. And he just, you know, he just couldn't go any longer. And that's, that's what we're fighting against. And uh, I just want people to really understand that, you know, put yourself aside. If you've never looked outside yourself, now look outside yourself and start seeing having empathy for other people. If you don't know what empathy means, look it up in the dictionary. Start trying to enact it in your life. There's YouTube videos. There's information. For all this information out there about politics, we need to start working on ourselves yeah. a lot more. Right. So if all, right, all those people who don't meditate, who don't want to work on themselves, who don't pray, who don't do anything to help themselves and then speak on how everybody else has to do it a certain way y'all need to go help yourselves so that's my shout out big shout out big shout r.i.p nick cordero spent 90 days in the hospital was actually comatose was under had to have a pacemaker put in was originally admitted to the hospital misdiagnosed for pneumonia uh, um yeah oof. this day in Craziness, sports man. um serena beat um 
uh, Serena beat her sister <laughs> in 2002 in the finals. I believe it was um, oh, Wimble- man, what a final. Uh, Wimbledon. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it was Wimbledon. What a final. Yeah, that was fun. Some um, energy. Also, on a personal note, RIP Charlie Daniels from the Charlie Daniels band, um, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Mm, I um, love that song. Love your shout out, Nick Cordero, man. You know, Canadian dude um, turned Broadway, Broadway extraordinaire. All right. Hey, that's all we got. I've had it with you people. Some great insight by my man, Rob, keeping McLean McLean. And in, and in that spirit, for Rob McLean and for everybody at home watching this on their desktop, old school, rerule the world. For all of you online at Starbucks on your iPhone that can't miss a minute of this. For those of you on your iPad or your Android, we love you and we say so long. We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionVB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.